high five for Jesus as you sit down. And you might be thinking, gee, I've never been here before. I don't even know Jesus. But that's cool. You can give him a high five for Jesus anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's good to, good to see you. It's good to be in church together. It's good to come together as the body of Christ. You know, how would you feel if you woke up in the morning, now this could sound gross at first, but if your arm was lying on one side of the room and your other arm was on, in the kitchen, we're not thinking like it's been chopped up, but just imagine your bodies are just, like it's all fragmented. The body works best when it's in one piece, doesn't it? And we, be, we need to be united as God's people. We need to come together and be, be encouraging each other and working as one body and not as a little finger over there wiggling away and a leg over there. That sounds gross, but anyway, I don't know where that came from. God knows you. He loves you. He knows the way he's formed you, the gifts he's given you, the, the, the abilities he's given you, and God wants to lead you into the fullness of life he has for you. Last week, we, we started a, our new series called The Village. It takes a village to make disciples. And we talked about how God is calling each of us to know Him, but also to tell others about the hope we have in Him. It's, we're talking about how being a disciple isn't just about believing, it's about following Jesus. It's about becoming like Him and to help others also become like Him. We talked about how God's plan is that we would come to maturity in our faith, that we wouldn't stay like infants that need to be fed and fed and fed by someone else all the time. And last week I shared a little bit about my journey, about how there's so many different people in my life, and some of you are here today, that have been part of that discipleship journey for me, that, that it was someone giving me a verse, it was someone sharing with me, it was someone encouraging me and bringing me to church, it was someone that uh, just loved God and I saw them and, and, and saw God working through them, and I was stirred to say, God, I want to be used by you. And, and it takes the village to make disciples. And I want to encourage you with the gifts you've got, with the abilities God's given you, with the faith God's given you, to be that person that, that lives to make disciples, to tell people about the love of God, to help people walk in and see the love of God in their life. We also talked about last week how it's not just believing in Jesus that makes us saved. But then there's the tension of saying, well, if it's not just believing, how do we know if we are saved? Someone might be, you might be sharing with someone, you might be saying, we've got to believe in Jesus, but it's not just believing that saves us. And then they say, well, how do I know if I'm saved? I, th I think I believe, but I'm not sure if I believe. And so what do I do with that? Some people might say, well, no one really knows who's saved. Some, some schools of thought, some religions would say that you can never know if you're going to go to heaven but I believe that's a lie. Some people would say, there are many ways to be saved. And I would say, I believe that is a lie. The Bible speaks clearly that that is not the truth. And if you really think about it, it's kind of like saying, well, every equation, every maths equation equals five. It just doesn't add up. There, there cannot be many ways to that, that one truth. There, there, can, there cannot be many conflicting truths that lead to the same answer in Jesus Christ. And some people will say, well, there is no eternity. We live, we die, we get put in the ground and we push up daisies. Anyone ever heard that phrase? Yep. 
Um, there's many different thoughts. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you, even the demons believe this and tremble in terror. How foolish, can't you see that faith without deeds is dead and useless? Belief in God does not save. It's not believing in God that saves us. The demons believe God is real. They know He is real. But they will not submit to Him. They will not humble themselves before the Creator God. Belief in God on its own does not save us. The Bible is clear that it's, it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. It's through faith, not just a belief, but a, a belief in action. Faith in Jesus is what saves us. I wonder if you've seen this, uh, this thing called the Engel Scale before. Has anyone seen this before? It just gives a little wave. Uh, the Engel Scale basically is something that a guy named Engel, I think it was his last name, came up with. And he said, it's kind of like this, we're all on a journey and we're all somewhere on this scale. On the, on the left-hand side, you've got negative 10. Whoops, I'm pressing the wrong button. Um, on the far left, you've got those who, at some point in our life, we might have no awareness of God. We're at negative 10. We're at the furthest point from faith in Jesus because we don't even believe that there is a God. But then sometimes, God willing, prayerfully, we will move from that place and come to a point of saying, well, maybe there is a God. And, and Engel talked about how there's maybe negative five, we have an awareness of God, but we're unsure who He is or what He requires or what He's like. But then as we continue to, to discover who God is, we might come to the point of saying, I'm, I'm aware of God, I'm aware of my own sinfulness and my need of a Savior, that I am not worthy to be, to be forgiven by God. I've done terrible things. There's, there might be that awareness developing that person, but they haven't yet cried out to God. But then from, from that place of maybe negative one or negative two, it becomes a point where someone realizes, I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. They cry out to Him. There's a decision to repent, to turn away from living for ourselves. Last week we talked about the two ways to live, that we can try and be our own king or we can let God be king of our lives and, and submit to Him as the true king. And we become a new creation in Christ through repentance, through turning away from living for ourselves. And we become... Maybe 0.0001. We've crossed that line of faith. We believe in Jesus Christ and we are saved through Him. But God doesn't want us to leave us in that place of 0.0001. He doesn't want to leave us at 0.1. He doesn't want to leave us at, at 1 or 2. He wants to lead us on and, and develop our faith. We might get to 5, growing in godliness and obedience. So we, we trust in God. Our, our, our faith is maturing and we're growing and we're walking in the, in the strength God gives us day by day. But God wants us to keep growing. And not just to stay in that place, but live a life of faith and make disciples. To be so confident in this hope we have that we, day by day, that we are living for the glory of God. To see other people know this hope that we have and passing on and teaching them to obey all the commands God's given us. As he says in the Great Commission we read last week. It's just a, one way of thinking about how we can lead people one step at a time closer to an understanding about who Jesus is. You might have a friend that you can think, wow, that person is on like a maybe negative nine. It's like, they're, they're like, maybe there's a God, but they're not really even sure. And you, we can ask ourselves, well, God, what can I say? How can I help that person to, to come to that point of saying, yeah, I think there is a God. And then from that point, what does God want to teach that person? And we can see that the way that Sometimes people will jump from a negative 10 
to a plus five. They, they, like, they, they have some revelation from God and God can do amazing, miraculous transformation in people's lives. But we're all on a journey. This, this life of faith and discipleship is a journey. During the week, uh, I was watching a movie um, with Rochelle and we're watching this movie. It's, a, it's about a, a mathematician named Ramanujan. And he's a guy that actually lived. It's a true story. And this guy, Ramanujan, lived in India. <laughs> Ramanujan. Oh, yes, sir. Um, that wasn't meant to come out. <laughs> and Ramanujan, he's an amazing mathematician. And uh, he, 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 he's never been trained as a mathematician. He just has some amazing awareness of, of mathematics. And he writes these formulas and comes up with these theories about things that just blow people away. Most people will go, you blow me away, I have no clue what you're talking about. And he's just, he's just all his life had these theories and these mathematical equations come to him. And you know like those mathematical equations take up like a massive big blackboard like five times? It's like they're the sort of sums he's doing. And, and this... Indian guy, he, he writes to this professor in, uh, in England and he, and he ends up going to England and, and through his connection with this professor who's been studying these theories for 50 years, he's sort of like, how can you come up with these theories? He, he, where do they come from? And at first he won't tell him, but one day he says, you know, as I sleep, God brings me these theories and he brings me these equations in my mind. And now, I've got to say, that guy had a different understanding of who God is, but he, he recognised that God was showing him these, these sums. And the professor at first is like, you've got to be kidding, mate. And he's, he's the stereotypical atheist mathematician man. But as the story goes on, we see that Ramanujan says, actually, we'll hear what he says in just a moment, but he, he sees every mathematical equation as pointing to God. That every equation, every fact of this universe just points to our Creator God. And we're just going to play a little clip out of the video just to show you what he says. And hopefully, this might stick in your mind as well. But you know, every, every fact of this universe points to our Creator. In Psalm, sorry, we'll skip through those ones really quickly. Um, Sorry, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. All creation declares the glory of God. You know, I want to, I want to really encourage you to come along in a couple of weeks' time when we have um, Peter Sparrow from the Creation Ministries team coming to minister here on a Sunday night. I think it's Sunday the 9th of September. And I want, you to, I want to encourage you to come with an attitude of, God, teach me to know how to answer people's questions. Maybe it'll be a mathematics professor or a science lover that you can learn some, some, some facts, some truths that point to God, that you can present those things to help someone go from a, a negative 10 to a negative 8 or a negative 8 to a negative 7. God wants to equip us as the saints to make disciples. And we want to be equipped. We want to be, have, have knowledgeable discussion with people. It's not just faith in, in a, a God who, ha- there's, no, there's no fact, there's no, um, it's not just, it's not just believe and have no thought about what we believe. God wants to teach us these things that we can help others see why this faith is real. You know, science is the pursuit of truth. Science will never disprove God if it's true science studying this world and 
they will discover that it points to God. So many people, as they investigate things, discover that there is no other answer but God. And I want to encourage you to come along or bring your friend that has those questions to, to hear the, the truth from a scientific perspective on that night. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. It's so good. Is it hot in here? I'm hot. There's a few people fanning themselves. I'm just wondering if it's a little warm. Thank you, Jesus. The heavens declare the glory of God. This morning, we're talking about being the village. We're talking about being the village that makes disciples. It takes a village to make disciples. And this morning, I want to look at a passage that probably many of us know well. Some of you may have never heard this passage before, but I want us to hear it with, with two, with, through two different lenses this morning. I want us to hear it for ourselves and hear what God is saying to us so that we can apply it to our lives but I also want us to hear it and to think about this passage as to how we might explain these things to someone who might walk through the door of this church and, and, and want to find out about Jesus and just need someone to walk alongside them. And I want you to think about as you hear these verses, how you could walk through these verses with someone else and help them see who Jesus is, what he has done, and that they might also have a revelation of who he is and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Does that cool? There's a couple of people excited. I hope it's good. We're going to open our Bibles. If you've got your Bible there, I encourage you to open up to John chapter 3 and verse 1. I'll ask you to open them. I'll give you a chance to open it up. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 3 and verse 1. If you listen to the podcast, grab your Bible, open it up. John chapter 3 verse 1. Unless you're driving the car, don't do that. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 1 says this. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just like today, just as you can hear that the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me? Believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses... Will lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness. And just a side note, and everyone who looked to that pole as God commanded was, was rescued from the, the poison of those snakes. So the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment, 
against anyone who believes in Him. But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that, what they are doing, that they are doing what God wants. And just skipping down to verse 31, he says, He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but He has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God gives him the Spirit without limit. The Father loves his Son and he has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. I just want to highlight a few things in this passage this morning in John chapter 3. Firstly, Nicodemus says to Jesus, he says, You are from God. Your miraculous signs are a proof that you are from God, that God has sent you to us. But I've got to say, flattery doesn't please God. God, some people say, oh, it's, it's so wonderful how you have faith in Jesus and it's really beautiful how you come together as a church and you support each other and it's just really nice. But people believing that Jesus and church is nice isn't going to save them. People thinking that Christianity and Jesus, he's a really lovely man, it's just really lovely the way he's loving and it's kind and it's generous. Believing that Jesus is kind and good will not save us. Flattery doesn't please God. I don't know if Nicodemus was actually flattering him. but This is how Jesus responds after Nicodemus says that. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He's like, it's great you believe that, Nicodemus, but unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You will not see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And he's kind of like, what? What are you talking about? This is crazy. And Jesus says, it's, it's, this is a spiritual thing. You're not physically born again. It's by the Spirit that we're born again. And we, we can't explain in human language how that happens. But through our faith in Jesus Christ, God tells us that we are born again. We, we have a, a new birth. We become a new creation. We, we, the old is gone, the new has come. That through faith in Jesus, God washes away the old sinful us and makes us a new person. That's the greatest miracle you can ever know. I broke my back, it was healed, it was fantastic, but that's nothing compared to this miracle. That's awesome. This is God's work. We cannot be saved without the power of the Holy Spirit bringing us to repentance and, and borning us again, I was going to say. That doesn't, being born again by the Holy Spirit. It's God's work. Verse 15, he says, Everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Now, when he says belief, he's talking about a, a, a belief that it's act upon, acted upon. You know, I believe there is a nation on this planet called Africa. Amen? Who's ever been there? <laughs> the guy that lives, I live there, says no. <laughs> Amen. I believe it's a real place, but I've never been there. My belief is a belief 
that's kind of passive. I think it's there. I believe it's there. I'd like to go there one day. See where Rochelle used to live. And, but I haven't ever acted upon that. It's, it's a belief that's just static. It's, it's passive in my belief. But this morning, I, I believe the food that I poured out of the boxes I opened was edible. I believe that food was going to be good for me. It wasn't going to be poisonous, that I, I wouldn't die because I ate it. I poured it out of the box. I, I ate it because I believed it was good. And that was belief in action. I trusted it was true, so therefore I did something about it and I ate it. You're sitting on a chair and I wonder how many of you thought this morning, I wonder if this chair will hold me up. I hope you didn't have any doubts. The chairs are good. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I heard someone say this week that if our faith in Jesus was a chair and our faith in Jesus was a chair and we're sitting on that chair and someone pulled that chair out from under us, not that that could ever happen, but if someone pulled that, that faith in Jesus out from underneath us, would we fall on the ground? Or have we actually propped ourselves up with other things? Is our, is our faith in Jesus in some areas of our life and, and we're kind of trusting in Jesus and that we can sort of create our own stable, secure home and environment? Is our faith in Jesus the one thing we depend upon, or is it faith and what people think of me? Is it faith in Jesus and because people accept me because I do these things? God wants us to have a belief in Him that is acted upon, that we trust in Him, that we have faith in Him day by day, that we rest upon Him, that we trust Him, and we will have eternal life. Verse 16, he says, For God so loved the world. I believe this is the most translated phrase in the, in the history of humanity. This phrase has been translated into probably just about nearly every language on earth now. Not quite, maybe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is how he loved us. He offers his love to all people. But sadly, some people think because God so loved the world that he just loves and it's, it's unconditional love. But God has loved the world in giving his son so that we might receive eternal life, but we must receive that gift that he has offered us. He, he so loved the world and gave himself upon the cross, but he, he, he asks us, do we accept that gift? Do we thank him for that gift? Do we recognize what he has given for us upon the cross? It's through the cross that we receive his love and we can enjoy his love for eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. It's through faith in what he has done that we are saved. We need to help people understand that it's not just believing that he's loving and he's good. It's by trusting in him that we are saved. Verse 19, he says, believing is about coming into the light. It's about admitting our sinfulness, about saying, I recognize God, I am a sinner and I'm not going to hide away in the darkness. I'm coming to you because I believe you are a gracious and loving God. I believe you have paid the penalty for my sin and it's coming into the light with humility and saying, God, I'm not worthy, but I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Unless we will humble ourselves and come to him with humility and thankfulness and awareness of his grace, we, we cannot be saved. 
If we are too proud, if we think we are good enough for God on our own, if we think we've done anywhere enough to measure up to the standard of Christ, we are fooling ourselves and hiding in the darkness. We must be humble and and come to Him with humble hearts. Verse 36, he says, Anyone who believes will have eternal life. And he also says, Anyone who doesn't obey will never inherit eternal life. He doesn't say, Those who obey will have eternal life. Because none of us can ever reach the standard of Christ. None of us can can obey fully all the commands that God has given us. We we are sinful people. We're corrupted by sin. We we struggle with the old flesh. We've all sinned and fallen short of the, the glorious standard of God. But it's through faith in Jesus, it's through believing in Him that we are counted as righteous. Romans talks all about how our our righteousness comes through faith. Even though we haven't done the right thing, God says, if you will put your trust in me, I will count your trust, your faith in me as righteousness and you will be saved. And that is truly amazing. That is the grace of God for us and for all people on this earth. It's not by just obeying it's about believing, but that belief then turns into actions. And as Christians, as people following Jesus, as disciples, we will stumble at times, we will trip up, and we will not always obey perfectly everything God has commanded us to do. And I'm pretty sure you'd say, yep, I can say that's true of me too. But as long as we are putting our faith in Jesus and allowing that faith to affect our lives, we will be saved. It's not a passive belief but it's a belief in action. God wants us to know that we are saved so that we can confidently tell others also about the hope that we have. God doesn't want you thinking, I I think I've done enough to be saved. God doesn't want you to think, I'm pretty sure I'll go to heaven one day. God wants you to know that you know that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have been forgiven by God because Jesus died on the cross for your sin. I remember when, when, when that revelation hit me, my life was transformed. I've shared so many times about how at school people started calling me Mr. Happy. I'm like, they're saying, why are you so happy? I'm like, I don't know, life's awesome. And I didn't really understand, but it was because Jesus died for me because the creator of the universe knows me and he loves me. And I began to share it with people, not because they asked me why I was Mr. Happy, but, but I just had a confidence in who God was. And I remember sitting around the year, year 12 common room, just having, well, it was probably more debates and discussions, but um, about God and if God exists and if Jesus is real and if all ways are true or if there is one true way. Because when we have a confidence in what God has done for us, we will boldly go and tell people about Jesus. And God wants you to know that you know that you know that you are saved. Not just that you might be, but that you will, that you are saved through Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If we believe in Jesus, if we believe that Jesus is, is who he says he is, and, and, and not a crazy man. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to eternal life. There is no other way to be saved than through Jesus. We can have faith in so many different things, but unless it's in Jesus Christ, we will not enter eternal life. 
We're called to be the village that makes disciples. We're called to be the people that know Jesus and then go and tell people about him. We have the privilege, we have the opportunity, the great, amazing privilege to tell people that they can be saved for eternity. I want to read one more passage in 1 John chapter 5. It says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Does it say, will maybe one day become a child of God? No. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, he is the one that sacrificed his life for us. He was the good and perfect sacrifice for our sin. Everyone who believes that has become a child of God. We don't have to wait for that day that when Jesus returns and then we'll become a child of God. You are a child of God if your faith is in him. You are now seated with him in the heavenly realms, it says in Ephesians, Colossians. Thank you, Jesus. We are children of God through faith in him. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. You know, we cannot love God and hate his church. We cannot love God the Father, the head of the church, and not love his body. God has called us to love God and love one another. It's the great commandment of, the, of, of God, to love God and to love people. But we cannot love him and not love his children too. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I read that, and I'm sure just like you, I thought, Psalm 119 verse 32. I run in the path of your command, for you have set my heart free. Sorry, my heart free. Yeah. If you have no idea what I'm doing there, you need to go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I run in the path of your command, for you have set my heart free. God's commands are life to us. It is not, it is not uh, squashing, it is not containing to obey the commands of God. Some people will say, you're being restricted by the commands of God. No, the commands of God bring us life. Thank you, Jesus. I've lost my place now. Uh, up there, that's it. Verse 4 of 1 John 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. I've got to sort of say, we don't war against people of this world. We war against principalities and powers in this evil world. We achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Through our faith in Jesus, we overcome the evil powers of this world. We don't have to struggle and wonder and doubt that we can overcome the battles that come against us. Because Jesus has won the victory. He's done it all. Let's skip down to verse 10. It says, All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. There's a big statement right there. But if we think of the scheme of eternity, this life is so short. We might think we have life in this life, but God wants to give us life in eternity. Verse 13, he says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. 
We can have confidence. And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. We have an amazingly gracious and generous God. We were singing the song earlier about the reckless love of God. He pours out His love upon us even though we ignore it and turn our back on it time after time after time. We may have turned our back on God's love throughout our whole life and yet He continues to offer His love to us. I want to ask you this question this morning. Have you asked God to forgive your sin? Have you asked God to forgive you your sin? We've just read that God, I'll go back to it, sorry. It says, and since we know He hears, uh, sorry, and when, verse 14, and when, and we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. He longs for us to cry out to Him for the forgiveness of our sin. He, he longs to hear you cry out for that, that forgiveness. And He longs to give it to you. If you ask, you will receive the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe that's you today and, and God's just waiting for you to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. All the pain I've caused you and people around me. Please forgive me for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin. Maybe you don't fully understand who God is and what He's like. But even now, you can say, God, help me to understand who you are. I remember as a 14-year-old saying, God, I don't understand your plans for me, but if this is who you are, I want to know you, God. And God will answer that prayer. I believe it with all my heart. For those of us that have asked Jesus to forgive our sin, that we know that we are saved through Jesus Christ, we are confident of this hope, I want to ask you this question. Are we living in obedience to His command to go and make disciples? We've just read that every child of God obeys the commands of God. The great commission of God is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'll be with you always. Are we living in obedience to God's Word, to His command? This series is all about helping us, equipping us to be the church He desires us to be, to help us obey that very command to go and make disciples. It's for us. It's for the village. The village is called to make disciples, not just one or two. The pastor, the prophet, evangelist, teacher that we talked about last week, their, their job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body. Ephesians 4 uh, verse 16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. You know, you have your own special work that no other person can fulfill. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What a beautiful picture of the church. The church as God designed it to be. God's called us to be the village that makes disciples. And I want to ask, will you join in that mission of going to make disciples. Our, our, our vision statement says we want to, uh, every person that comes in to be cared for as we learn to care for one another. That's our vision, that every person might come in and be cared for, and part of that caring is helping them know that they can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
and that every one of us, this would just be a base for us to go out and tell people about the hope we have in Jesus. That's the greatest way we can care for anyone is to help them to know that they can have salvation through Jesus Christ. It's great to help people out. It's great to be kind. It's great to be nice. But people need to know Jesus. He is the hope of the world. He is the answer for every person. Last week we talked about this booklet by Pastor Barry Chant. And this morning we have a copy, I'm pretty sure, for every person here today. If we haven't, maybe all those people that come in on a Monday morning, I know who you are. Uh, Maybe if we don't have enough, you can grab one tomorrow. But I'm just going to ask if we can have some volunteers. Actually, no, just when we play the song at the end, we're going to hand them out. But I want to encourage you to think about who you can catch up with and go through this study. It's, it's simple in the sense of it's, it's open the Bible, it's read what it says, and then write down what it says in that verse that it asks you about. It's, it's pretty simple. You don't have to be a scholar to understand the answers. But I want to encourage you to do what it says. Don't be lazy. It says write down the answer, what it says. And I know so many, many of you attempted, like I was when I first went through it. I'm like, I know that. I don't need to write it down. And God convicted me. God, God like said, Andrew, you do it properly. <laughs> so I wrote it down. I'm writing down my answers. And I encourage you, get a pen. Don't just remember what the verse says. Open the Bible. Don't be lazy and say, John 3.16, I know that one. Open the Bible. Just do it because you've been commanded to. It's good for you. You know that agitation in your heart right now that's saying, I don't need to, but you've been asked to. So will you humble yourself? Anyway, I'm going too long now. Uh, But I want you to think about who can you catch up with and go through this booklet with. I don't want anyone here today to think, I'm going to wait for someone to invite me to go through this. This is your responsibility to invite someone else to go through it with you. Maybe you will go through it on your own, and that's okay. But I want to encourage you to find someone to go through it with. Maybe you're a young Christian and you're thinking, I want someone to help me understand this as I read it. So find someone. Say, hey, I don't know you very well, but I think you know Jesus, so can we go through this together? Or maybe you're an older Christian and you think, oh, I'm going to find someone that I don't really know one of those youth guys very well. Or that, that lady who came six months ago, I haven't really got to know her. And I want to encourage you, men, do it with men. Ladies, do it with ladies. But find someone that you can go through this booklet with. It only takes, well, with some discussion, it'll probably take you half an hour. But get together, have a coffee, read through it. Open the Bible together, pray for each other. And let's believe that God will, number one, encourage us, that He will give us a greater confidence in what we have in Christ. I've been blessed as I'm going through this, and just God just reaffirming what He's said in His Word but also that God would equip us to be disciples who make disciples. That we would be equipped. This is just a tool to help you be and do what God has commanded us to do as the church. And over the next six months, 12 months, as people come into this place, you might see someone and meet someone and say, oh, I just want to know more about this Jesus. And you can say, hey, I've got this book. I've gone through it. I did it like six months ago. Do you want to meet up and go through this book and we can study what, what the Bible says about Jesus? And we want you to be equipped and ready for every good work that God has planned for you. You know, I only had one person pull me up, but I did my maths really badly last week. I said we had 30 people visit one Sunday. If we had 30 people visit for a whole year, I said there'd be 150 new people in this church. If we had 30 new people every week, we would have 1,000... Hang on, now I'm confusing myself. 1,500 new people in this church. 
and whatever's here now. Yeah. Um, if we had three new people every Sunday coming to this place that wanted to know more about Jesus and we, did, we got around them and encouraged them and helped them discover who Jesus is, if we had three new people over five, 50 weeks, let's see if I get my maths right today, there'd be 150 new people in this place that know Jesus and come together and celebrate Jesus as their saviour. What, what we were talking yesterday about the future, we, we might have to have multiple surfaces. We'll have a Wednesday night service and a Friday night... Oh no, we can't have Friday youth here. Um, God help us to be ready for all he has for us. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to finish with a song this morning. I've asked the band to teach us this new song. I heard it and I thought this is for us this morning. It's all about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I just want to pray, and then we're going to to join in this song together. But God, I pray this morning. God, I pray for anyone here that right now they're they're, they're on the verge of that decision. There have been at negative one for so long. They've been at that point of knowing they need to to surrender their life to you, God. But they've never made that decision to, to surrender their life to you. And God, I pray right now that you would help them to make that decision. And I want to encourage you this morning that God will hear your prayer. God hears that request. And it gives him great pleasure that you would cry out to him. Lord God, we just thank you that we can have this confidence in our salvation through Christ. We thank you, Jesus, that it's through faith. It's not by our good works. But God, I just pray that you would help us to continue on in this faith. That, Lord, you would train us in obedience, that you would bring us to maturity in our faith, and that we would be a church that goes and makes disciples. That together as the village, we would make disciples wherever you lead us, wherever you give us opportunity, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.